How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Yes, yes, thank you so much, Mark. What an introduction. Well, welcome. You know, welcome. It's, it's glad, a, glad you're here. And I'm glad you're here. And Tom's here. Ben's here. We got a whole, and a, we got a whole bunch of people listening, and they will begin applying this simple, simple approach. The what I am approach. approach. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> the I am approach. It's and just the simplest what thing. What is that? It's the idea that we are always doing the best we can at every moment in time with the potential to change in the very next second to another best we can. It used to be called IMAX. It's true. When I first developed this back in 1982, um, I was in medical Actually, I was a pre-med, doing my pre-med stuff, and I was taking physics. People still awake? Uh, in physics, the symbol capital I stands for potential current, for electricity. And I thought, well, what if we turn it upside down? And instead of calling it potential current, we call it a current potential. And what if we started looking at everyone at a maximum current potential, just doing the best they can right now, but with the potential to change in the very next second to another best they can? It just changes our view of the world. It changes the view of ourself. And we now call that an I am, the I am approach. And it's an approach because this is a way you can begin living your life. And just think about this for a moment. We spend so much time worrying that we're not doing as well as we can. So much time judging other people as less than and broken. But what if they're just doing the best they can, given the influence of four domains? Here are the domains. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I would have. I know you would have. The home domain. No one's going to argue your home has had an influence on who you are. Just think about the home you grew up in, the home you've created. Your home domain has an influence on how you respond to the world. The social domain, which is everything other than your home. And these two domains are outside, and then there are two internal domains. Your biological domain of your brain and body. Are you hungry? Are you tired? Digesting your lunch? And then the I see domain. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? Human beings are very interested in what other people think or feel. We call that empathy. But what we really want to know is, what are you thinking about me? And these four domains interact all the time, but I believe we respond to them the best we can. It doesn't mean you have to like your I am. It doesn't mean you have to condone it. It's not a free ride. You're going to be held responsible because everything you do has a natural consequence. And the I am doesn't even mean you're going to win and be successful. And one definition of success is when you love going to work and love going home. But another definition may be, you know, having enough food in the refrigerator or having a home to have a refrigerator, or just waking up. So you can determine what success means to you. But instead of judging yourself as less than and broken, instead of looking at other people as less than and broken, let's look again at why we do what we do, based on the influence of the domains. And think about the words, look again. Again, look. Again, to repeat something. Look like a spectator. The I am is saying, let's respect why people do what we do. 
And when is the last time you got angry at someone treating you with respect? I don't think it's possible. It is not possible. And I believe that that has the same reliability as gravity. Apples don't fall up, and the brain does not activate anger when it feels respected because anger is an emotion designed to change things. We get angry when we want somebody to do something different. Right. Start doing something. Stop doing something. But being respected feels great. So our brains do not activate anger. Really important. Because if you're not activating anger, you're not going limbic. Because the limbic system is where anger lives. It's irrational. It's impulsive. It's about emotions. Respect is what leads to value. And I think that's what everybody wants. I really do. Think about every person you've ever met. I think they all want the same thing, which is just to feel valued by somebody else. Yeah. And what's cool is, at every and any moment in time, you can remind someone of their value. And whenever you remind someone of their value, you increase your own value. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants to feel valuable. What's going to happen in the world when more people start doing that? And that's how the I am approach used. You can remind someone of their value through that IC domain. How do they see yourself? How do you see them? They want to know that you see them as valuable. Respect leads to value. Value leads to trust. And trust is the antidote to fear and anger and sadness because when you trust someone, you know you can be yourself, maybe make a mistake and not lose value. So I just want to come back to this moment. Why is this value so important? Here's why I think it's important. I think it has a deep evolutionary premium because millions of years ago, when we were evolving as a species, we were not the biggest animal, we weren't the fastest, we weren't the strongest. We were these isolated mammals scurrying around, hoping not to be lunch. We were prey. And then we formed these small social groups. And our survival potential has increased so dramatically, human beings were everywhere. But in order to maintain an access to protection of that group, you have to contribute something. You have to have value. Mm. So value is really about our survival. And that activates this deep limbic part of our brain, this ancient part of our brain. And that's part of what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay. Because tonight, what I really want to talk about with you, Mark, because you are a real estate lawyer... Mm -hmm. Styles Law. That's I want to talk me. about real estate. I think it'll be fun. All right. The I am and real estate. Mm. How interesting is that? Because home is such an important part of who we are. That's right. I mean, think about this also as, as who we are as, as animals. What do animals want? They want three things. They want food, shelter, and the ability to reproduce. So I wrote a book called Outsmarting Anger, which was all about respect. When's the last time you got angry at someone treating you with respect? And in that, I expanded these three domains, the food, shelter, and ability to reproduce. I expanded them to resources. So it's not just food that we need anymore, but resources. Do I have enough money? Uh, do I have an iPhone? Do I have a droid phone? Do I have a television? Do I have clothes? Do I have all these things, these things, these things, these resources? And you, as the listener, can decide what does a resource mean to you? What resources do you have? Resources, residence, not just the home, but your residence. It's larger than a home, but we're going to talk specifically about it, but 
you know, your town is a residence. Your country is a residence. Our globe and our universe is a residence. And then relationships. Not just a relationship of one person with another, but groups. And we spent a lot of time over the last few weeks yeah. talking about community yeah. and how that relationship is so important. And in those relationships, we are looking to somebody else to remind us of our value. So, you want to talk about what we did last night? Sure, sure. Well, you, you spoke, you gave a nice keynote speech to uh, a group of uh, real estate agents in the community about uh, the IM approach and how it can uh, relate so uh, significantly to what they do every day, and that is dealing with people who are um, either buying or selling their home, which inevitably is their most valuable asset, probably the biggest investment that they make in their entire life. So understandably, there's a lot of uh, energy, emotion, stress, anxiety that gets um, ratcheted up a little bit. And um, and I, th I think it was a really cool presentation because it was eye-opening for a lot of them to understand that you know where these people are coming from. You know, a lot of oftentimes real estate professionals tend to um, tend to speak in a language that that the consumer, the uh, the folks that are buying and selling their homes, aren't really uh, understanding mm -hmm. um, because it's it's rote. It's 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 something that we talk about all the time, and we it's got I'm sure in every profession, right? The doctors, if they're not careful, can be talking over the heads of their patients because every day you're talking about this certain topics, right? Right. Um, so to allow these folks to step back and actually think, okay, how am I being perceived by my clients? Um, I think I think was a great a great uh, opportunity for them to learn. I'm glad, and it was also talking about how they interact with other people in real estate. Correct. So even if they know the language, it sounded to me like at times there could be enormous tension. There because is. You've got this one person who's selling, one person who's buying and then these professionals trying to broker a deal. Right, right, and it does. It causes a lot of tension, and, and a lot of times <clears throat> somebody's bringing in some unnecessary anxiety. Uh, somebody's bringing in their own biological domain, right? So right. in a scenario where it could otherwise be a relatively smooth transaction if, so if folks were able to step back and, and understand each other a little bit better um, or value each other a little bit better, then the transaction could go much, much smoother. Um, but sometimes the IC domain kicks in and they're, and they're wrong, mm. right? So these people want to extend this date by three days. They're just playing games with us, yeah. As opposed to stepping back and saying, "Well, maybe there's something that's going on that maybe you know somebody's in the hospital and they need to you know um, take this time to not be involved in this transaction right now." And and but oftentimes, you know, people jump to conclusions and all of a sudden, um, you know, wrong conclusions are being reached and 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 folks um and it can go wildly out of control and unfortunately I've, I've joked a lot of times sometimes there is a situation where um 
because the buyer and the seller aren't talking to one another, there's this mystery involved of mm. who this fictitious person is and it's almost created in their mind as to who they are and what they are. And especially when somebody's buying a home, they're going into that house, right? So they're seeing certain things. They're starting to predict certain things of how these people behave. And then you've got sellers who oftentimes don't ever see the person. Um, we've seen some, some strategies where uh, buyers will put a letter together with a picture of their family and such so that they can personalize it. Um, but for the most part, these people, they're faceless. Yeah. Right? So, it, it, they, you know, what are they doing coming in and offering me $10,000 less than I've asked them to buy my house for? Who do they think they are? And they're not human. Right. right? They're just a, a, a person. They're, they're just a uh, entity that's buying their house for less than that they, they expected to get. Um, and sometimes we say, you know, it might be nice to just have the buyer and the seller sit down and have a cup of coffee. That would be so cool. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes that doesn't, that doesn't happen. And, and sometimes those intermediaries, uh, doing the best that they can, um, sometimes because these people are faceless, they, they don't, they don't seem to connect all that well. A transaction with arguably one of the most important assets of your life, yeah. your home. And again, we were talking a bit about who we are as primitive animals. That home is your residence. That is your shelter. Yeah. That is a place that you are invested in. And it becomes also a resource yeah. and a place where you have relationships. Yeah. You know, it's funny. A lot of people refer to it as, you know, the biggest investment that you're ever going to make and the most money you're ever going to spend. But what they do miss is it is your home. It's your home. And that's the emotional component that a lot of that a lot of people don't talk about. It's they always think of it as you know the money part of it, but right. it, it's that emotional attachment, those memories, the uh, the whole intrinsic value of that home that that I think creates a lot more of the of the the struggles in some of the transactions. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think about you know the home that that my kids have grown up in, mm. and the idea that I would ever sell that home is just <laughs> totally foreign to me. I mean, how could I do that? How could I, how could I, you know, give somebody else this place that is so invested in my memories? On the other hand, I know that it would be an incredible place for other people to create their own memories. Right. You know, but that's a hard part about it. But this yeah. is where we get into, you know, the I am of, of real estate. And I really want to talk about this because let's look at the domains. And I don't want to start with the home domain. I actually want to start with the biological domain. Okay. Right? Because the biological domain is where something called cortisol is living. So cortisol is a stress hormone. And I don't think anybody's going to argue that the real estate transaction that goes on when you're buying or selling a home could induce some stress. It could. And what happens with cortisol, cortisol evolved as a way for us to really protect ourselves against predators. It's a very, very brilliant, ancient, adaptive response. So when faced with a stress, and I wrote about this in one of my first books, actually, it was my first book called Manage Your Stress. Isn't that remarkable? And it was all about the cortisol response because yeah. it was so interesting. When, when you're under stress, your brain produces this chemical. There's actually a chemical in your brain called ACTH, 
which is like Paul Revere, and it shouts to the rest of the body, danger is coming, danger is coming, British are coming, danger, danger. And it sends this message to these little, little glands on top of your kidneys called the adrenal glands, like adrenaline. Adrenaline comes out and cortisol comes out. Cortisol is like the Minuteman. It goes all over the body and it does all sorts of things. It increases your blood pressure. It increases your heart rate. It increases your breathing because you've got to get this blood to your arms and legs in case it's a predator. You've got to run away and fight it off. Right? It oxygenates that blood because you need oxygen which is like an energy for the blood yeah. for your body it, it does all these things but it doesn't just make more blood your body can't just do that so what it does is it takes blood from your gut your stomach because there's no point digesting lunch if you're going to be lunch that's why some people feel sick to their stomach under stress and anxiety it takes blood from your skin because if you have to run away from a predator, you don't want to overheat, which is why some people under stress and anxiety get the cold, sweat, the cold sweats, right? Your heart rate increases. You can feel it. Your breathing will change. It also does this amazing thing. It draws glucose. It draws more energy from the rest of the body. Your brain says, I need more energy so I can think about how I'm going to get away from this predator. And that's why in order to do that, it suppresses insulin. We spoke about insulin in another show in terms of diabetes. Yeah. It suppresses insulin, and so you have low blood sugar in the rest of your body, which is why some people get really shaky under stress and anxiety. Hmm. And it also does two other things. It increases your clotting factors. Hmm. Can I make you guess why? Why do you think? Why do you think it increases clotting factors? Because if you get into a battle and you get your arm bitten off, that's right. you're going to want some clotting. Exactly. Right? You don't want to bleed out. And it increases the immune system for the same reason. If you get bitten by a predator, you want to be able to fight off any particular right. bacterial infection. All of these things are great for acute stress. It's brilliant. But under chronic stress, the same things are happening. Right. So now you have a risk for high blood pressure. You have a risk for type 2 diabetes. Mm. You have a risk for heart attacks because you're clotting your blood. Mm -hmm. So... The biological domain is activated, and that's what we were trying to talk about. How do you manage this cortisol response when you're transacting real estate? Mm -hmm. Because it's going to be there, potentially, unless you are aware of it. Right. And, and then, that's the goal. That's the goal. And then what you can do is you can actually activate some other parts of your biological domain. Did we ever talk about mirror neurons? Oh, I believe we did. Okay, so let me just repeat what mirror neurons are. We all have these neurons, these brain cells that mirror what other people think or feel. It's really interesting. You go to a movie, you see somebody sad, you feel sad. It's mirror neurons activating. Mm. So what we were talking about with real estate is how can you have a real estate broker, an agent, a lawyer, somebody working with the money, use their mirror neurons to project calm and peace right. to the person that is involved in that transaction. Remember the second rule of the I am? You control no one, you influence everyone. Right. Right? That's the kind of influence you can be when you're working in real estate, of course, right. with anything. You can use mirror neurons right. to help calm other people down. And um, in the inverse, you can bring in your stress and anxiety into the transaction and make somebody who otherwise 
might not have thought it was going to be that stressful get all anxious and stressed out about it. Yep. And then they are going to be activating their limbic response much more than this modern part of our brain and biological domain, the prefrontal cortex. The thinking part, the rational part, the part that's able to solve problems, execute a plan, and anticipate what will happen next. The prefrontal cortex also happens to be the source of something called theory of mind, Mm -hmm. which really is what the IC domain is about. Mm -hmm. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? I can't see someone's mind, so I have to guess and theorize what are they thinking or feeling. That's empathy. But what we really want to know, what are you thinking about me? Mm -hmm. And what I thought was this is probably going on in the brain of somebody who's either buying or selling the Mm -hmm. house but wondering not just about the other person whose house they're going to buy or, or sell it to, but about the agent in between. Mm. What is the motivation of that agent? Are they out to get their value increased, their resources increased at my expense? And I don't know, from your experience as a lawyer, does that ever happen? Well, the, the consumers certainly think that a lot. Um, you know, it's the whole imbalance of, or what they perceive to be an imbalance in compensation. Um, the agents can make a significant amount of money when there's a real estate, uh, asset, uh, transferred, but it's, um, it's, it's properly compensated in my opinion. Um, because what they are doing is they're bringing the buyers and the sellers together. You know, and I talk to agents all the time and say, you know, your job truly is complete once you've made that connection. Everything else is customer service, but you've earned your commission by bringing the buyer and the seller together. Um, but <clears throat> inevitably, and, and you would have to talk to a real estate agent because it's, it's one of those known but not talked about too uh, often is because the consumers do feel that way. And, they're, and unfortunately, the, these real estate professionals who are working diligently and, and fairly compensated um, are on the defensive with it mm. because they're always oftentimes feeling as though they need to show their value. Mm. And sometimes I think that backfires um, because they'll then take an adversarial position where they where it isn't necessary. So adversarial towards the, the other, other side. side. And you know what's fascinating? This just sort of popped into my head. We didn't talk about this yesterday. But that could be something called vasopressin. So vasopressin is this neurochemical that gets released when a group is attacked by another group. Mm. And they come together to protect their own. It's really interesting. So I can't help wondering whether on some level an agent is thinking, you know, I need to protect my group, my tribe. Right. And the only way I can do that is to make sure that your tribe has less value and is subservient to my tribe. Right. Right. There's a there's a massive amount of win lose negotiation that happens in, in it. And it's it's oftentimes um very frustrating, but sometimes very petty. Yeah. Um and it's and and I think and I'm not certain, but I think it usually comes from the fact that the real estate professional feels that they need to provide and prove their value to their client yeah. for that perceived 
belief that that client might think that they're getting overpaid, mm. right? So this all, I mean, the IC domain is kicking in heavily in this heavily. scenario because that person may be completely misguided with that. The consumer may think, yeah, this this is great. I, I'm fully uh, prepared to pay this commission. This is tremendous. They're getting me more money than I ever thought I would get for the house, and they're making it really easy for me. But then the agent doesn't necessarily think that, that the person's thinking that, and they say, I need to, I need to win every battle within this transaction. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the, the, the smooth transactions are the ones where there is no lines in the sand or knock this battery off my shoulder or, or um, you know, we're going we're gonna to squeeze the last right. $20 out of this. So it's really where people are communicating and being reciprocal and recognizing that everyone has something to gain in this transaction. Right. Everyone has the opportunity to increase their value in this transaction. So you yourself had an experience buying real estate and it was it was uncomfortable. It, it was. It was initially quite uncomfortable, I must admit. Now, granted, it was, it was a long time ago and uh, Carol and I, we, we had two kids at the time. I was still in training. We had very little money. Uh, and this was our first home that we were going to purchase a real home. Um, and it was, it was a really fascinating experience because of the tension that was going on. Uh, some people, you know, didn't want us to buy it, so they sort of made it difficult, but we really wanted to buy it. We'd actually seen other homes that we'd wanted to buy, and, and they were just sort of taken right out from under us. But as I'd like to say, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And we wound up in this absolutely delightful home in Waltham. Mm. It was five minutes from the hospital I was working at, um, and uh, it was absolutely lovely. But it was fascinating experience to, you know, what 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 made it stressful though? Was it was it the adversarial nature, or was there also a component to, I have no idea what's going on. I think it was both. Absolutely. I mean, because we really didn't. I mean, we were totally dependent on on our lawyers and our real estate agents mm -hmm. and and um and you're right you know as i think about it there there was a faceless component to this right. i mean we don't have any relationship with the people the who evil had, seller right who had lived in this home but it was it was fascinating to look back on it now that i've you know developed the i am even further and really look at what was going on and our limbic responses. Mm -hmm. But what was, what was also really interesting was the social domain of it, mm -hmm. was developing a relationship with a stranger who was now really advocating on our behalf. And how wonderful is that? Where there's a stranger and their, their job, their role, their function is to say, I am going to get the best I can for you. I am going to find a way to be sure that you feel that you have had a good deal and been satisfied. And that, that was our agent and then our, our real estate lawyer, and they did that. Um, and you must have these experiences as well, where you, are, as a lawyer, are feeling like you're advocating for your client. Yes, but, you know, we've taken the philosophy that <clears throat> the seller is putting their house on the market because they want to sell. 
the buyer is in the market to buy a house. They've decided and identified this house as the one they want to buy. Seller wants to sell. Buyer wants to buy. We are going to do everything to help facilitate that and not create obstacles and obstructions. What we've also learned, though, is that there is a, a high level of uh, real estate vocabulary being thrown around, and a lot of times the consumers, the buyers, the sellers are sitting back, you know, wondering what is going on. So we've, we've taken the approach to try to educate them much more than, than the norm so that they do have that confidence. And we've done it through uh, video, actually. We have a YouTube channel with, it's like a Q&A segment where we had a client ask us this question and here's the answer. And they're two, three minute long videos. And we talk to the clients as we progress through the, the closing experience, which we, we refer to it as a closing experience as opposed to a process. Mm -hmm. uh, because we do want it to be an enjoyable process. There's, two, there's so many stories about oh, this! I had a horrible experience selling my house or it was such a nightmare buying our house. It was a rocky road. And we're, we try to avoid all of those types of uh, closings. And, and we feel it is really, truly by wit. And I've learned a lot in the last two years sitting across from you in my Thursday live therapy <laughs> sessions. Uh, but but, I, but what we have learned is that, you know, that if you don't know what is going on, if you're unaware of what that next step is going to be, is that saber-toothed tiger going to jump out from the side? You know, are you staring at the ceiling throughout the whole process, the whole timeline of the transaction, or are you confident? Is this is this something that you understand and you know what the next step is going to be, and you know that you're going to accomplish that because you've already learned all about this and you understand that. This is a, a path uh, laid out by a yellow brick road and not this deep, dark, lightless, you know, tunnel where you don't know where you're going. I'm going to say with the tiger maybe lurking. Anywhere could jump out at right. any point in time because no one's really communicating with you. Right. You know, and that is unfortunately a lot of uh, what happens in in my field is that you know, the, the, the consumer enters the, the transaction, high stress, adversary because it's dollars and cents, a, a transaction is consummated by, you know, an amount of money. And then there's a home inspection. Again, we're talking about faceless people here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how could they treat their house this way? I need them to fix that windowsill. What do you mean they won't fix that windowsill? So then you get to a point where you know, you get to a purchase and sale agreement and now you're dealing with a lender and you're dealing and all these things start coming at you. And, and a lot of people, you know, they're going on with their day to day life and they're trying to, I mean, it's a second job to, to, to enter into this arena and, and purchase a home. And, and for those folks that are purchasing a home and selling a home at the same time, you know, we've right. talked about it that, you know, <clears throat> most people have some form of anxiety but if you have a lot of anxiety it's about to be an uber amount of anxiety and you know we found that folks that get it they have learned they have been uh, educated on step one step two step three steps four all the way to the end 
they're going to be a lot more confident and a lot less anxious and stressed about it. Yeah, because knowledge is power. Right. And it's interesting because it sounds like what you're doing in your field is part of what I try to do in psychiatry, which is to translate. Right. You know, translational services where here's this really complicated brain, this really complicated emotion, but let me let me put it into these words that anyone can understand. Exactly. That's, that's what the, the books are about. You know, I mean, that's really what I try to do in the books that I write is it's for anyone to read because you take this hardcore neuroscience but translate it. If you can't translate this stuff, if, if it's not understandable, I think it's useless, really. Not, and not, not to put my, my colleagues down in, in brain science and psychiatry and medicine in general, but you have to be able to apply it right away. Right. And that's what my patients do when they look at the I am approach and they look at the I am model they can immediately have a roadmap where they can use that for change they can use it to adapt they can use it for their own evolution which is not the same as treatment right treatment implies there's something broken but here this is about change and that's why real estate you know it's potentially one of the biggest changes of your life right I mean, right. we talk about, you know, small changes can have big effects. It's true. This one is a series of small changes that lead to something very big. Mm -hmm. So how many people are actually involved in this, in that social domain? There's the, 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 the person selling and the person buying, mm -hmm. or the family selling the family buying. Who else is involved in well, this? So then each one typically would have their own agent. Okay. Each one would typically have their own attorney. Yeah. The buyer will typically have a team uh, from for the financing. You know, there's one point person, typically the loan professional, but they'll have a team. Um, you know, there's a home inspector. That's a whole nother, you know, uh, relationship that's that's created in this. Um, then, of course, there's this mysterious person called the appraiser. He better come in and give it the uh, the right value because this. This faceless person is holds a lot of the power of whether or not this transaction is going to go forward. Wow. Is whether or not that person deems the value of the property equivalent to what what they're buying it for. Otherwise, they're going to tell the bank that they don't believe that the asset that they're going to lend money for is worth what um, what they believe it to be. So there's a lot of moving pieces. And again, you know, there, where I think uh, my <clears throat> Where I think that uh, my com my uh, colleagues fail is the communication component to it, mm -hmm. because a lot of times they just the the consumer um, comes into the equation, the offer is signed, and then they're being handed a bunch of documents. Here, sign these, sign right. these, and they're right. and they're complicated documents. And sure we've are. we've talked about how impactful this this actual uh, situation is because not only is it a massive amount of money that they're investing but it's a it's a huge decision to make are we moving to the right town are the school systems going to be good enough for our children are we going to like our neighbors are we going to um you know is it are we doing the right thing is the house too big are we taking on too much of a a mortgage obligation is the house too small are we going to have to move in five years a lot of these things come circling around and then if you're not communicated with you now you start to worry are things falling through the cracks are they are they doing what they're supposed to be doing are, are we going to get to the closing and no one's going to be ready um, you know i've heard stories where people you know 
that do what I do, there's no communication throughout the entire transaction. Two days before the closing, they get an email, wire us, you know, $87,422.76 for the closing proceeds, and we'll let you know where the closing is. And just there's there's a lot of, um, you know, not great service Mm. in this. And I think that's what causes a lot of the stories about how rocky it was because if there was a tremendous amount of customer service and a tremendous amount of you know uh, reputable professionals which there are a ton of them um, but if there was more of them there would be a lot less stories about you know at that barbecue at that cocktail party event where oh you had a you had a good story about your purchase but wait do you hear about mine and, right you know they're comparing these stories that you know a lot of them when I when I listen to to their stories because a lot of people will tell me their their horror stories it's small change could have had a very big effect it's right. usually one little thing if it had been tweaked in another direction they wouldn't have had that experience at all mm. it would and, it, and sometimes it's just catching it in being proactive and seeing and identifying a situation that's about to happen. And if someone was there to identify it and just make a little bit of a tweak, then their experience would have been much better. It's very similar to an NFL football game. If you don't know the name of the referee, they probably did a good job. Yeah. Because the game went smoothly. Nobody really thought about the referees. Right. There's no reason to inject yourself into the transaction. The problem is, is the facelessness of it, mm. right? So, you know, the the agent can actually create a fictitious client for the other people to have their IC domain kick in, and really, and it could be it could be wrong. It could be like you said, you have um, this person that you don't really know is now stepping in your shoes and calling the shots on your behalf, and it could be really cool, as you referenced. Um, and it could be if they get you and they understand you and they 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 uh, know that they can speak freely on your behalf because they've they've kind of understood where you are with things and you're on your daily routines and you're working and you're doing this and that and you're being taken out of the minutia of it. Great. But if they're not speaking your language mm. and they want to be adversarial and they want to. Um, inject their own beliefs into it, which are not yours. Mm -hmm. You just want to be reasonable and you just want to have this transaction go relatively seamlessly and smooth. But they're, you know, throwing up obstacles along the way. Yeah, it's, it's it's a problem. And why they're doing it, sometimes they think that that's what you would want them to do. And they might be wrong, right? The IC is kicking in again and they don't they're and they're making those decisions on your behalf and then now these other side of the people think something differently of you right so then at the end you get you folks sit down at the table and the faces are now revealed and i've already decided i don't like you right right and that's the most bizarre phenomenon for me and i often say you know when when it's getting contentious and you kind of realize that it's not the buyer and the seller that are at odds, but it's the two agents that are odds. 
you know, let's get the buyer and the seller together in a coffee shop and this thing will be worked out in about seven seconds. Right. Right. You know. Isn't that interesting? It is. It's, it's really interesting. But again, a, a lot of it is the, the, the desire, the need, or the belief that they need to show value and they're doing it in a way that actually backfires on them. Yeah. And it's so important. That's, and that's what it comes down to, right? Everybody wants the same thing. Right. Which is just to feel valued by someone else. Right. And that's really what the IC domain of the IM is. It's, it's the inroad into that biological domain. Because when you feel valued by someone else, it does something in your biological domain. And it actually increases and releases a neurochemical called oxytocin. I have to say it, not Oxycontin. <laughs> oxytocin, that, that rush you get when somebody says you're amazing, mm. that feeling you get when somebody says you have value. We all want it. And that's why the real estate market is so fascinating to me because it's such an opportunity for one person to give something of value to someone else. You get compensated for sure. it. So you both increase your resources, your residence, and your relationships. Instead of making it this adversarial thing mm. where all of a sudden it's one tribe against another tribe and I'm going to try to take this and that. So in, in the book Outsmarting Anger, it was all about that. When's the last time you got angry at someone treating you with respect? Right. So you recognize rage, you recognize you're angry, and there are two main reasons people get angry. The one is they're envious that somebody has more than them and they want to bring them down. Because if you have more resources or a safer residence or better relationships, I can get envious and I may want that. I want that because you have a, have a survival advantage over me because you have more. Right. Envy. But the person who is being envied can become suspicious this person wants to bring me down. Right. They're going to try to take advantage of me. They're going to want something. They're taking something from me. The thing is, if you're doing it, everybody's doing it. This is the way the brain works. You recognize rage. You envision envy. You sense suspicion. What is making me angry? What do I want to see different? And then you begin to manage somebody else's anger. And you project peace. When you're projecting peace... What you're really doing is using those mirror neurons that we spoke about to calm somebody else's down. And then you engage empathy. That's theory of mind. That's the IC domain. Why are you angry? What is it that you need? How can I make you feel more valuable? Mm -hmm. And the way you do that is you communicate clearly. Language. The greatest invention of human beings is language. It's not the wheel. It's language. Yeah. Communicate clearly. And then you trade thanks. When I say thank you to someone, 90% of the time they're going to say you're welcome. Mm -hmm. And what does that really mean? It means I'm not envious of you. I'm not suspicious. You've projected peace. You've communicated with me. You've shown empathy. You're part of my group now. You're welcome to my resources, my residence, my relationship. We are trading thanks. When I trade thanks with someone, I am reminding them of their value. We spoke about that for weeks. Gratitude. Right. And the feeling you get when somebody shows you gratitude. And you know what, if you're selling a house, if you're buying a house, at the end of the deal, I hope you're saying thank you right. to each other. 
because you have just engaged in one of the most significant human relationships. You have helped someone with their resource, their residence, their relationship. You have helped someone with their food, their shelter, their ability to reproduce to be successful. And it's an I am. And you can do it. You can remind someone of their value. And that's why the real estate transaction is so fascinating to me. Because it is this absolute example of how we can use the I am in a way that can... I think solve the problems of the world hmm. because we have we have that ability in us we have a desire to be a social animal it doesn't mean you need to be a social animal at the expense of others right it doesn't mean that you need to have your tribe be better than another tribe that's not what it is we can go there we've been there that's our limbic system but we can do something more we have a new brain, the prefrontal cortex, the neocortex. Neo is new, cortex is brain. This new brain that can use the I am every single moment to remind someone else of their value. And when you remind someone of their value, you increase your own value. Let's all do it. How cool would that be? I'm in. Yeah? And we're trying to think, I am. A lot of people said, well, what does the M stand for? Well, a lot of people think it's I am. Right, I am. And it's true in some way. It is. What about I matter? I like it. I want you people do matter. to know that. That's right. You do matter. I matter. All right, guys. Next week, we'll see you here on the Dr. Joe Show. Thank you, Dr. Joe. My pleasure, Mark, Tom, Ben. Thanks, everyone. Bye, folks. Swallow the pill.